Thank you for listening to the fail-safe moment. Grab a cup of coffee and let's join Rob Statham for another informative discussion helping people learn from things that go wrong. Welcome, everybody. My name's Rob Statham, your host for Fail Safe Moments. You are going to enjoy this podcast. I won't be surprised if this isn't our most popular podcast. Uh, We have a treat today. We're going to share with you the Blame Virus. It's a paper that our founder, Bob Nelms, has written. It's available for download on our website. but Lisa, uh, the most faithful, hardest working person at Failsafe, she was in the studio earlier this week and actually recorded the paper. She read the paper, so I thought, boy, that would just make a fantastic podcast. So I'm going to share that with you. I'm not going to talk a lot. Like I say, uh, you're going to love this. Here's Lisa. The Blame Virus, written by Bob Nelms, the founder of Failsafe Network. Leo Tolstoy, the Russian author and philosopher, said, Everyone wants to change the world, but no one wants to change themselves. Have you noticed the damage caused by our human tendency to blame one another? Notice what happens when something goes wrong in your life, at home, within your community, or at work. Listen to what people say and observe how they behave. More importantly, acknowledge your thoughts, words, and actions in response to something wrong. According to a survey probing the work culture of organizations all across the U.S., we discovered that 74% inferred that blame and finger-pointing were rampant in their organizations. Can there be any doubt that we've all been infected with the blame virus? What would it be worth to you and your organization if everyone, at all levels, stopped pointing fingers at other people and things? and instead looked at themselves as part of their problems. Root cause analysis has long helped organizations understand why things go wrong and could be the vehicle for distributing an antidote to the blame virus. Instead of stopping at the physical and systemic causes of our problems, what if we also required people at all levels to answer? What is it about the way I am that contributed to this problem? And what will I do about it? Yes, There is an antidote to the blame virus, which is profoundly simple. Instead of finding fault with other people and things, everyone could be looking at themselves. Everyone. Imagine what might happen. Viruses act as if they are either desperate or relentless. They enter the human body any way they can, through the mouth, nostrils, cuts, or scrapes. Any opening will be invaded. They find an unsuspecting, worthy cell and then attach themselves to it. Once into the cell, the viruses reveal their purpose, to propagate themselves. The invaded cell yields its resources to the manufacturing of additional viruses, almost as if it were an unwilling Xerox machine. As the cell's energies are depleted in the copying of the virus, the newly created viruses explode out of their victim and immediately look for other cells to invade. The result of this attack on the unsuspecting cell is the death of the cell. When a sufficient number of cells die, human beings feel sick. What is the blame virus? First, we need to consider the notion of blame. According to Dictionary.com, to blame someone is to hold them responsible, to find fault with, or to censure, to place the responsibility for a fault or an error. Its synonyms include fault, 
criticize, reprimand, show disapproval, condemn, knock, reproach, and scorn, whereas the germ form of the virus attacks our physical bodies. The blame virus might be thought of as attacking the human psyche, that is, the mind and its capacity to govern behavior. The inference is that there is an initial, healthy psyche, in this case, free of the need to blame, just as there is an initial, healthy body whose cells are able to function as intended. If one observes a psyche that the blame virus has infected, one would see a person that blamed all the problems encountered in their lives on other people and things. The blame virus distorts the psyche so much that it cannot see much of anything in an uncontaminated manner, especially the truth about itself. The end result of the invasion is the death of the healthy psyche, first in one and then in many other human beings. Why is blame bad? We humans have become so infected with the blame virus that we hardly know the damage it causes. In fact, many people think that blaming is a necessary, valid part of life. Author and speaker Wayne Dyer said, All blame is a waste of time, no matter how much fault you find with another, and regardless of how much you blame him, it will not change you. The only thing blame does is to keep the focus off you when you are looking for external reasons to explain your unhappiness or frustration. You may succeed in making another feel guilty about something by blaming him, but you won't succeed in changing whatever it is about you that is making you unhappy. Author Erica Jong said, Take your life in your own hands, and what happens? A terrible thing, no one to blame. But people are often at fault. So what's wrong with blame? Is it true that people are at fault? Yes. People cause the vast majority of our problems. People are always at fault when something goes wrong with something we have created. For example, if we design and build a bridge and it unexpectedly collapses, we can trace its causes to something that someone did or did not do. Likewise, if we build hospitals to perform surgeries and administer medicines, and something goes wrong within these facilities, its causes can be traced to people. After all, since bridges and hospitals are human creations, we are ultimately responsible for anything that happens to or within them. Any other conclusion seems irresponsible and is merely another example of blaming something aside from ourselves. No matter how one looks at it, Humanity is and always has been inundated with people problems. Therefore, it is not the premise of this paper that people are never responsible. On the contrary, people are almost always responsible for the things that go wrong in their lives. It is the premise of this paper, however, that the blame virus has turned the truth of this fact, a truth that can be one of the most liberating discoveries imaginable, into a death spiral. The blame virus convinces us that it's not me. It's you. It's not us. It's them. It's not human beings. It's our systems. And on and on and on. Imagine an organization with 500 employees, each of them seeing problems in other people and things, all of them pointing their fingers at each other. No one would realize that they were part of the problem. Each would be too busy seeing the other person's problems. Even worse, Whenever someone blames another person, it causes an equal and opposite reaction. 
the blamed person will, in turn, blame another person, who, in turn, will, blame yet another. An explosion of blame that is uncannily similar to what occurs in the cellular levels of our bodies when the virus explodes out of its host to infect new cells. Are we defenseless in the face of the blame virus? It is difficult to write about the psyche's immune system without considering what it protects. Whereas our body's immune system protects our cells so that they can function as intended, perhaps the psyche's immune system can be thought of as protecting the individual's consciousness so that it can function as intended. And just as various viruses can attack our physical bodies, each with a specific target, so can our psyches be attacked by various viruses, each with specific targets. Consider the psyche's immune system response to the blame virus. When the psyche is alive and its immune system is active, it is prepared for this invasion. When the blame virus attacks a psyche, for example, it sends a distress signal to other people's psyches to warn them of an impending attack, just as happens within our physical cells. For example, think about what happens in a healthy group of people, just as in healthy cells, in response to something that has gone wrong. Please note that the blame virus only appears when something goes wrong. Let me illustrate this with a story. A teenage son had recently washed his car with a hose and spray nozzle attached to the outside spigot. After washing the car, he coiled up the hose on the driveway, but he forgot to turn off the faucet, leaving the hose pressurized with water. A week later, an early cold front came through the area. The water in the hose froze and split. Unfortunately, the thaw came when the family was not home, and the water leaked rapidly from the hose continuously for two days until the water source, their well, in this case, was totally depleted. In a healthy family, where the blame virus had not done its damage, the teenage son would not be criticized, reprimanded, shown disapproval, condemned, knocked, reproached, and scorned. Instead, there would be a genuine desire within the family to discuss the problem to the point it was thoroughly understood without even a tinge of blame. Part of the understanding would, of course, reveal that the teenage son did not turn off the faucet. But because of the absence of blame within this family, remember, not even a tinge, each family member would freely and openly share what they, themselves, knew about the burst hose, in this true story, not the author's family, the teenage daughter freely admitted that she knew the hose was pressurized with water because there was a small puddle on the ground near the nozzle for at least a week before the incident. She said, I thought Dad saw it and would eventually take care of it. The mother admitted to knowing the same thing. Even more, the father admitted to using the hose, without turning off the faucet, after he finished. He said, why turn it off when I know I'll use it again tomorrow? And then, as they were discussing it amongst themselves, they all admitted, we do not do a very good job with checking our home before we leave on family outings. Let's talk about some things we ought to be doing to make sure our house is safe before we leave it. In the absence of the blame virus, each family member is free to see themselves as part of the problem. They are free to be introspective. Blame is inversely proportional to understanding. In other words, when blame is absent, understanding thrives. 
When understanding is absent, blame thrives. In this respect, note that the existence of personal responsibility is at its highest when the blame virus is absent, because when people truly see themselves as part of their problems, they will want to do something about it. An attack of the blame virus. In the prior paragraphs, we have been discussing how a healthy family or organization would respond to an unfortunate event. Now let us consider an attack of the blame virus. Imagine what would happen if a visitor to the above family, say an uncle, exhibited a tendency to blame. The family members would quickly and calmly explain to the uncle that we're all part of the problem, so we'd rather not point fingers at just one person. In other words, each individual psyche senses an invasion of the blame virus and sends a distress signal to the other members of the family as soon as it senses an invasion, just as occurs at a cellular level. If this is hard to imagine, consider another example. Consider what would happen if a visitor to your family, say the same uncle, showed up at your house without wearing any pants. He would be booted out immediately by the mother or father because such behavior is totally unacceptable to the family. A similar response would occur within a family devoid of the blame virus, where a sudden appearance of blame would cause an abhorrent reaction. In essence, therefore, it is the healthy psyche of each individual that protects one another from an invading psychovirus. In a group of healthy psyches, just as in a group of healthy cells, this is all that is usually needed to stop the attack in its tracks, a mass invasion of the blame virus. But let us consider the teenager who lived in this healthy family one more time. Years later, let us suppose that this same teenager got a job at the local refinery and eventually became a control room operator. One night, at about 2.30 a.m., an event occurred that required his immediate response, but he had fallen asleep at the control panel and, therefore, was not aware of the event. Because he did not respond, a fire occurred, which spread rapidly. Massive physical damage occurred, firefighters were injured, and environmental damages were severe. You might think, it is one thing to be understanding when a person makes a mistake at home, and the end result is a dried-up well, but it is quite different in a high-hazard industry where our equipment, the environment, and people can be destroyed. This person needs to be severely disciplined, even fired. Let's think about this. Why is there more of a tendency to blame one another in these catastrophic cases than with smaller incidents? Why would it be acceptable and practical to be introspective about small problems, but unacceptable and impractical in response to a catastrophe? If anything, should we not try to understand catastrophes to a greater degree than anything else? One of the reviewers of this paper was a retired plant manager who said, Now, wait a minute. Sleeping on the job is never acceptable in an industrial setting and is usually a termination offense. No excuses. It's one of those rules set to keep the 2% of the population in enough respect of failure to consciously avoid it. What happens to our psyche in response to catastrophe? Why is the above kind of comment so prevalent? It almost seems like a mass invasion of the blame virus occurs in response to a catastrophe. The larger the consequence, and greater the pain, the more virulent the attack.
Even when reading this scenario, the attack has probably begun within you, the reader, when the above kinds of thoughts enter the psyche via the blame virus and are allowed to fester and even propagate, the healthy psyche will die and eventually be convinced that it isn't me, it's you. Note the subtle, dramatic, and deadly change of attitude. The dead psyche no longer says it's not only me. The dead psyche totally excludes all possibility of being part of the problem. Imagine this occurring within 10, then 100, then 1,000 people within the organization where the incident occurred, everyone pointing fingers at one another, no one accepting responsibility. When allowed to happen, it guarantees more finger-pointing in the future, a corresponding lack of introspection, no personal accountability, responsibility, and the eventual demise of the company, families affected by the company, and even the individual family members. It is not an exaggeration to say that entire societies are at stake. As noted earlier, this paper has been written by an experienced root cause analyst, trainer, and mentor, a field of endeavor that forces one to consider the deeper aspects of life. When something goes wrong, it is the sole role of the rootition to understand why the event occurred. This role is both a luxury and a curse in this fast-paced world we all live in. It is a luxury because when something goes wrong, everyone else is on the fast track. We need to contain this problem and then restore the system to the status quo, fast. And by the way, who can we hold accountable? The rutition, however, has the assigned and often legally required task of being on a 180-degree opposite track, while everyone else is going fast. This person has the luxury of being able to slow down, because it takes time to understand why something went wrong. This luxury, however, leads to the curse. Because of their role in life, rotitions understand why things go wrong to a greater degree than most other people. Rotitions, therefore, exist with a knowingness that comes with the stigma, or curse, of being impractical, idealistic, liberal-minded obstacles to restoring the system to the status quo. It's the equipment the systems, the vendor, the doctor, the nurse, Congress, the president, anything or anyone except me. So now that I know how it happened, and who did it, get out of my way and let me do something about this. Because of their stigma, rotitions are especially sensitive to these kinds of thoughts, which they know comes from the blame virus. Certainly, other people, People who have been the victims of witch hunts in the past have also been stigmatized and jump when they see it coming again. However, it is the ruticians themselves who are the main defense against the blame virus. It is their most important role. Ruticians are the organizational psyche's secondary immune system. Without the presence of an established, respected, and bold group of ruticians, an organization has no defense against the blame virus and is likely to enter a death spiral. Although the blame virus is something everyone ought to know about, the primary target of this paper are these ruticians. Please recognize what is happening around us. Notice the damage that is occurring as we witness the escalating explosion of the blame virus and its damage to our friends, 
families, organizations, country, and even the world at large. Please understand that. We are the crucial antidote. Consider what might happen if we strove to make the following a reality, a vision of what could be. 1. The golden rule of things that go wrong has been ingrained in all our psyches. I will try my best to understand why people did what they did, especially if I am tending to blame someone. To such an extent I am convinced I would have done the same thing in a similar situation. Note, getting to this point will guarantee that you understand. 2. A no-blame mentality is the norm for everything and anything that goes wrong within our lives. In anticipation of big things that go wrong, an official no-blame policy is in place and strongly re-emphasized when such things occur in anticipation of a mass invasion of the blame virus. 3. A corresponding self-discovery Introspection mentality is the norm for everything and anything that goes wrong within our lives. In other words, everyone tries their best to see themselves as part of every one of their problems. This mentality is progressively detailed, that is, it is suggestive for small problems and required for larger ones. When of if a catastrophe occurs, this policy is strongly re-emphasized in anticipation of a mass invasion of the blame virus. Opportunity to invade it and suck out its life. Fortunately, the healthy psyche has defenses against the blame virus. Healthy psyches can fend off the average attack with little, if any, assistance. However, the problems in our lives seem to be the generators of the blame virus. As the consequence of the problem goes up, so does the quantity of the blame virus. The average, healthy psyche is not able to withstand the quantity of invading viruses when catastrophic problems occur. It needs the support of the secondary immune system. This secondary system is the root cause analysis function within the organization, a formal, dedicated psyche whose sole function is to understand, rather than blame. This root cause analysis function can anticipate the attack of the blame virus and can establish policies to assure the future health of the organization, no matter what attack is presented. Epilogue The story of the operator who fell asleep at the control panel is true. Unfortunately, the operator was terminated within hours of the incident, but upon further investigation, where introspection was required and blame was not allowed, people admitted to the following. Operations we have been sleeping at this particular control panel for years. It is not intentional. It is almost unavoidable. It's one of the most difficult assignments in the plant, especially at night. Supervision. We knew that our operators were sleeping at the control panel, but we never did anything to correct it. Everyone knew. No one did anything about it. Supervision. We felt sorry for them. It is normally one of the most mundane jobs in the plant, so we purchased comfortable reclining chairs to make their lives a bit easier. Instrument techs. We disconnected the audible alarms that would have woken the operators. They kept tripping prematurely, and we didn't have time to troubleshoot them. Area management. We had no idea any of this was occurring right under our noses. We are consumed in meetings, 
rather than being dedicated to our people. Each of the above issues was addressed. The operator who was terminated was rehired. Failsafe Network was formed in 1985 to help people learn from things that go wrong. Failsafe is a sought-after provider of root cause analysis training, support material, and services. Failsafe has increasingly focused on helping organizations shift from a blame mentality to one of introspection. Thank you for listening to the Failsafe Moment. We'd love to hear from you. Share your comments and questions below or contact us through our website www.failsafe-network.com Once again, that's www.failsafe-network.com Until next time, have a great day.